So today, Sue, we're talking about buyer's advocates, what a buyer advocate actually is and what are they what they do. Yeah, uh, I'd, yeah. I'd like to know who are these people who are on the phone intimidating me in an auction when <laughs> <laughs> they're obviously talking to somebody who's got the money. Yeah. And uh, they're really putting the pressure on me to add an extra bid in when I really don't want to. <laughs> but they're prepared. So, you know... What we'd like to know is how they can save us money. Yep. How they get paid. Yep. Why Why would you, instead of doing it yourself, yeah. use a buyer's advocate? What, yeah. what advantage are they giving us? Welcome to Real Estate Right, where we talk to top experts on how to buy, sell, rent and invest right. Your hosts are Grant Kennedy and Sue Langada. Today we welcome onto Real Estate Right one of our favourite property experts on Channel 9's The Block, Nicole Jacobs. Director of Nicole Jacobs Property, Nicole is a prestige property buyer's advocate and is here to explain to us about the wonderful world of buyer advocacy. Welcome, Nicole. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming. It's been great. Uh, Nicole, how did you get into buyer's advocacy? Well, I was a selling agent for many years prior to, and one of the directors asked me to look after the buyers, and uh, my first meeting with the buyers uh, was eye-opening, and I just thought, wow, this is for me. I love being on this side of the transaction, so they call it going to the dark side, but uh, yeah, yeah, I just loved it from the start because I was very much welcomed. I wasn't a normal estate agent, as you would imagine. Uh, They really did value my, my information and feedback on the market and what was happening and uh, I loved it. Good. So explain to us what a buyer advocate does. So a buyer's advocate is similar to a seller's agent in that they represent the buyer. So there's someone on your side for the buying transaction. Uh, They are there to make sure that you are buying the right property and at the right price. So how do you help save buyer's money? It's a great question Mm. because many people just believe it's about the price. Uh, I wholeheartedly believe it's about buying the right property. So if you buy the wrong property, you're going to make the biggest financial mistake uh, you've ever made because you're either going to want to leave it very soon or you're going to have to potentially put a lot of work into it to make it right. Uh, And it's very stressful buying and selling. Mm. So I think that if we can help our clients buy the right property from the get-go, and that comes from making sure that we have their brief really uh, nutted out. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we'll start with one brief and end with another, though, because along that journey, uh, they realise that what they were after at the start isn't actually what they wanted um, at, at the end. Okay. So it's quite a journey in, it's a, in finding themselves at the same time. It's a massive yeah. journey and that's why I love what I do because we're with them on that journey. And it's about yeah. listening to what their needs are, finding out their motivation behind the buying yeah. of that particular property, whether it's for their you know beautiful dream home or is it an investment uh, property to put into their portfolio. Okay, yeah. So it's a different angle than you sort of expect, isn't it? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean... It, it, as far as making sure they get the right price, that's absolutely what we do as well. So it's yeah. first first motivating factor is the right property. Yeah. Then we have a look at the price. So we'll actually look at it. We're not valuers, but we're very good at what we do as far as looking at the land component and what that's worth mm-hmm. and then what the house on the top is worth. Then we have a look at, okay, where does this sit in the market and then where could it go if there's a motion attached to it if it's going to auction or even private sale. Okay. So it's about obviously buying it for the right price, uh, 
$50,000 extra or $150,000 extra to a, a buyer is huge. Mm. Um, so it's really important that we make sure that, yeah, right property and then if we can, the right price within yeah. their budget. Yeah. And what's the typical type of client that you'll that'll come to you, you know, usually? Mm. The, yeah, the typical client that we get is a busy professional couple, usually with a couple of kids at least, uh, and uh, they really do value that uh, they're not the experts in the field of real estate. They know that they'll get very emotional when they're looking for the home, uh, and that can lend them to getting the wrong property and also at the wrong price. So our typical client is, yeah, busy professional that is looking for their beautiful dream home. Do they normally have a property in mind when they're coming to you, or they've got a bit of an idea in that sense of... Do they have a particular property in mind at that point when they're seeing you? It's <laughs> a great question because some people do. Some people walk through the door and say, I want you to buy X. Yep. Uh, and then we'll sit down and make sure that X is correct or right for them. Uh, and other times they'll come in just knowing that they need four bedrooms, they need three bathrooms, they'd love a connection to the outdoor space or an open plan living. So they might know uh, the driving factors of what they would love. Mm-hmm. Um, some will come in with a very specific brief though and say, I need all of that. Plus, it needs to be an architect designed home on this street on that facing and that's very specific so yeah so you've got a you've got your typical type of client that that typically goes to see you now who's not seeing you that should be seeing you (laughs) that's what i would like to know Uh, who would you who would you like to see more of that you know you could add value to to what they're doing yeah, good question. Uh, I would I would say that there are a lot of people out there that are not utilising our services because they think they're too expensive. Mm. And I think that when you looked at what expense is, again, I come back to is it the right house uh, for that person? Uh, is it at the right price? But also people that don't have the time to do the due diligence, I find it astounding when I go to an auction and somebody is bidding not knowing where it should be on price so they pull out maybe early not realising that going a little bit further is still really good value they haven't had the contracts checked so we will coordinate all of those things they haven't had a building in pest now we won't buy a car without you know getting it looked at the roadworthy yeah why would you buy a house without getting it checked. It may not stop yeah. you from buying the house, but at least you know, okay, it needs a new roof or the yeah. plumbing shot or the and, floorboards. Are... And you put that money into the, what you're going to pay for the house and go, okay, well, I'll reduce that a bit. You or, might do that yeah. or you might just say, look, I want it anyway, but at least yeah. I know. Yeah. I think it's it's knowing and having that information prior that allows you to make a really educated decision. Yeah. And that's the path that we follow. So I think those who are trying to do it on their own uh, and haven't been successful, we quite often get them coming through the door as well. So they've been unsuccessful for maybe two years. Yeah. Now, the market can change considerably in two years. So yeah. if you're out there and you're on that treadmill trying to find that right house or right property for the investment portfolio... Just have a coffee with us. Yeah. That's all it takes, a coffee to work out whether, one, we're a good fit. It's a bit yeah. like choosing your selling agent. You've got yeah. to trust them. You've got to feel really comfortable yeah. uh, and how we can help you and add value. Yeah, absolutely. So I've seen some buyers advocates do some interesting things when, uh, we, go, <laughs> we, when we go through properties. Like measuring the front garden and, you know, from the house to the fence or, you know, like, so how detailed do you get into your reports back to the buyers? 
Oh, our reports are very detailed. I have a, a, a land wheel, so I can measure, a measuring yeah. wheel. Uh, I tend to leave that for the building and pest uh, guys who yeah. will do that for me, and then we check it against the contract to make sure that it's, it's as exact. it should be. Yeah. If it's not, uh, then we obviously, if it's not, we'll get it looked at by uh, a land surveyor. Yeah. Uh, but we're, we're very detailed. We'll look at, uh, we use a lot of um, products like Land Checker, yeah. which is fantastic. I would recommend people that, you know, just jump online to have a look at that. That will give you a really good snapshot of the property, what easements are on there, mm-hmm. what sort of overlay it's in. Uh, then we go to council, the local council, and we'll look at what's been uh, applied for as far as uh, developments in the area. You don't want to buy your dream home, and then all of a sudden you find out that you've got a huge block of apartments being built there in six months' time. Yeah. Of course, it doesn't stop someone walking in and putting a, you know, a, an application in to build those apartments. But at the time of the report being written, we make sure we look at all of those things, mm-hmm. uh, and then we'll, you know, we, we look at what our clients have asked for. Does it meet those things? I'll turn lights off, for instance. Yeah. Can you get enough light in? Is yeah. that bush is all the, that's stopping the light? It, could that be trimmed back? Uh, mm-hmm. All those sorts of things. So it's making sure that the floor plan flows and that it's going to fit the way our clients actually want to live. And that's the most important thing. It's about the lifestyle in that in in that environment. Mm. If you can, you know, live in that environment to create the lifestyle that you have, then it's worth to your family, yeah. yeah and you often families. you wouldn't say no to a house if it's a cosmetic ramification. So we'll often go through it and say, Okay, well it will need a new kitchen or there's a wall there that's not structural, um, and we can get an engineer in and we quite often consult with architects before we purchase a property for clients too to be able to see what potentially could be done uh, and what that potential cost could be as well to make sure that if they love everything about the house but this one little section then what could we do about that? Yeah. So it's pretty detailed. what you do Mm. is very, very detailed. Yeah. 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 Um, so are there any particular resources, strategies or companies that you use to help calculate what the asking price should be or do you use your own valuing skills? So when we look at a property and we look at pricing it for a client, uh, yeah. we use a lot of tools like uh, I'm a, an REIV member, mm-hmm. um, also uh, a member in New South Wales as well, uh, but we will have a look at their property data. So that will okay. tell us what uh, the property last sold for, mm-hmm. what the um, the title of the property, what how big the, the land is, mm-hmm. and we'll check that with Land Checker. And sometimes they're not exactly the same, so then we rely on the contract to give us yeah. the the full picture. Uh, and we'll uh, obviously go out to opens in Victoria. Of course, we have a statement of information now, which gives comparable yeah. properties. Often those properties, though, uh, I don't view as comparable. No. So you I, do have to do your own research. I do look at those sometimes and I just, you know, roll my eyes. That's a document yes. created by the real estate agents? Yes. Yeah. 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 So it's a legal document that they have to now present and have on show for potential buyers walking through the property. Yeah. Could, could people out there assume that they're putting comparable properties that are in the favour of, like, the real estate, uh, the sales agent side of things to... You could definitely take that view. <laughs> uh, yeah, look, so they are monitored, though. To check. Yeah. Yeah. But some, of the, some of the properties are, you know, six months out of date. 
And well, they're not allowed to use anything that's yeah. uh, greater than six months, and yeah. it's got to be within two kilometer radius. Yes, but that two kilometers is it's, quite generous, I yeah. think, because they're comparing different, often different suburbs. Yeah. They'll go maybe on land and not mm. on what's in the house, or they might go on bedroom numbers, mm. but not on land. Yeah. So all of these things need to be taken into consideration. Uh, but they are audited, uh, spot auditing. Yeah. So they really do have to make sure that they're trying. They have to justify it if they got pulled up, for instance. Yeah. 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 Well, for instance, like we're close to the Moraduck border, like Coolite Road is the other side, is Moraduck. Their average price is $1.7 million property. Somerville is 635 Wow. Like, and we're only half K away. Yeah. So if you use <laughs> property, yeah, exactly. It's just insane. Yeah. It, you know, we it's could use that. Postcode, buddy. I'm in mean, the wrong place. Well, they should rezone this. They really yeah. should. <laughs> they <laughs> might one day. That's not the campaign. Yeah, I'll be campaign. Definitely. Yeah. So in the 2016 and 2017 uh, seasons of The Block, you successfully bid on three of the five properties. How do you know which buyers you're bidding for on behalf or if... If you have three buyers going for the one, one property. property. Yeah. 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 How, how do you, know? you manage that um, situation? And do, does sure. it ha- mm. blocks a unique situation? Does it also happen in the real world? Okay. So at the block is quite different. Yes. Uh, we will get people approaching us to represent them, uh, mm. but I can only represent one person per property uh, or there's a conflict of interest. Yes. And that's uh, what I so will that's be a very dead set rule. Yep. Dead yeah. set rule. Uh, unfortunately, it doesn't. Uh, always work for other people, but for me, it's a dead set rule. So yeah, okay. I will only ever represent one person, so there's never a conflict. Uh, importantly, because uh, there could be another person potentially in that room that will help that vendor uh, either, you know, with when there's, you create competition, you yes. create the, the price at the end of the day, don't you? So, But I'll be very open and upfront with people that are representing me uh, if I've locked somebody in. If they've got a, a larger budget sometimes uh, or they've got an lim- unlimited budget, then I'll say to the person that I've been speaking to, look, I do know someone that has an unlimited budget that would like me to bid for them, mm-hmm. they're going to get it regardless. Is there another one that Should you like? You consider yeah, one of the other yeah. Ones and a lot of the times they do. So yeah. we, what you find with the block, because you have five competitors in a row or in a building, they're very similar in that you're getting this very similar floor space uh, yeah. and it's just the fit out that's different. So a lot of people will be opportunistic at the block, uh, meaning that they'll try and buy for the cheapest possible price, knowing that the one that went for the highest price, they could basically spend redo the it. difference and redo it, mm. yeah. which is very smart. Yeah. So yes. in and essence, yeah. And very importantly, the other question you asked is in real life, the same thing applies. So we will, with whoever signs first with that brief is the person that we're looking for for that particular property. Mm-hmm. If someone wants to come on board, but they have the similar brief and mm-hmm. they're never exactly the same, but if they're similar, similar price bracket, similar area, similar style of home that they want, then we are, again, very open with both parties and we know that if party number one rejects the property, yeah. we offer it to party number two. And okay. they, But everybody's on board. Everybody knows, knows that, that there's another buyer yeah. uh, and so they, we will give them time to make a decision and yeah. if they don't want it and we think it's right for the other buyer, we'll show them. But it's very rare and one of the reasons that, you know, selling agents could list five properties in a row in one street, couldn't they? Yeah. Yep. No conflict. 
but there is really, but there's no conflict uh, legally. Um, You might cannibalise your buyers, but there's really no conflict, whereas I cannot have two buyers with exactly the same brief uh, and put them both forward to the property because I represent them both. Yeah. Juicy goss time then. If if they're if they're working to you on with you on one, are they? And then and you've already told them in advance that there's an unlimited budget buyer that wants this other one. Are they behind the scenes jumping to the other buyers agents that you're competing with? Oh, there's always the a bit of that. Definitely. I thought they might. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's why I like to be as open and transparent as possible. Yeah. Uh, because at the end of the day, I represent my brand, and but they've got to also look after themselves. And absolutely. One of the other ones, and then they're competing. Against yeah. yeah. So the block that we've just yeah. had, there was a buyer that I spoke to for a very long period of time, but she felt that I had a conflict, uh, which I didn't clearly have because I didn't buy any. But uh, just putting it out there. Um, but I respect that. Uh, that's the way that she felt. So um, yep. you know, she had her brother yep. represent her. Yep. It seemed this particular year, out of the five, less of them went through the the four, uh, three buyers agents this particular that's right. year yeah. compared yeah. to other years. Yeah, absolutely. I actually, this year um, with the block, I like the fact that they set the auction, uh, the reserve price equal for all five yeah. as well. That was a better way to do it, I thought. Well, yeah. you had you had products that you didn't have one above the other where one had a view, for instance. You yeah. were very yeah. similar in yeah. size of land, size of internals, oh, offerings. Much so more than other years. Really yeah. similar. So it might be that, you know, you, can't, you couldn't do it, for instance, on the Gatwick because you yeah. had two clear penthouses, yeah. but they were smaller. Uh, you had uh, ground-level floor um, number one that David Wood had, for instance, Mm -hmm. had the huge upgrade of appliances and on a depreciation schedule that was massive. So uh, they all had different depreciation schedules in the last block, uh, but they were very similar. There was, you know, the top to the bottom was about 50,000 difference, which is you know, it's fifty thousand but it's not huge. Yeah, it's very unique this year. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. Okay, so now that I like the sound of a buyer's agent being able to help me make a purchase, how do you get paid in the transaction? How is it going to cost me extra money to to use you, or is it how does that get involved? Absolutely. So different buyer advocates will do different things. The way we work is like a selling agent. We're based on commission, yep. so that if a client comes in and they actually want to uh, buy a particular property and they've said, "I want to buy." 386 Bay Road, Brighton, uh, we charge them differently. So obviously I haven't had to go out and look for the property. I haven't had to do anything like that. I will question whether it's right so that we make sure we're on the same page and it's correct for them. Uh, But we'll charge a commission of the total purchase price. Yep. Uh, If we go out and what we call the full acquisition and uh, search uh, criteria is that we will go out and find off markets, on markets obviously, look at them, shortlist them, present them to clients, walk through with them, get all that due diligence done and then try and acquire it, whether it be by public auction, private auction, boardroom auction, expression of interest campaign, private sale. Yeah, yep. So it's a lot more involved in in the full full thing, yeah. Just the looking part, yes. The looking part, yeah. That's probably the most time-consuming side of things for you, I'd I'd imagine. Yeah, that's right. So when you see a price range that seems a little far-fetched but your client really wants the property and has the money for the outrageous price, Um, do you justify to the buyers and the selling agent why you would never pay that much money for that property? And has it been successful? (laughs) 
Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, great question. So it, it will refer back to our pricing, yeah, and I'll price it so I know where it sits in the market and where yeah. I could go if it was emotional. Obviously, if our client's very emotional and happy to pay for it at a certain price, that's yeah. one thing. But it is my, I believe, my job to actually yeah. counsel them in where I think it sits, yeah. and if they're going to go to that level. Uh, this is maybe going to take a lot longer for them to actually get their money back if they had to sell in a year, for instance. Although, you know, crystal ball would be fantastic, wouldn't it, to know (laughs) what the market's going to do in the future. But uh, my job with the agent is to be very real as well. So Mm. on the flip side, I'm always talking to the agents going, I know you said you want that, but you and I know it's not worth that. Yeah. Uh, and then I'll get out the the motivating factor behind the vendor selling. Yeah. So it's a split up. They've got to divide it by two. Yeah. They want ex, you know amount of money to to walk away with. Well, that's lovely, but yeah. that's not my client's problem. Yes, my client is going to buy it for the right price, yeah. and this is where we think it sits. Yeah. Uh, but with a public auction, the market will determine it anyway. Yeah. So I think if we can give our clients as much information as possible to make that educated decision mm. as to where they want to go to, then I will take their instructions based on yeah. what we've shared together. Yeah. How much are these decisions, um, whether to you know, buy at auction or not, like when it, when it comes down to the crunch, how much of this sort of twing and froing between you and your client is happening right as... You know, they're threatening to throw down the hammer. <laughs> Usually it doesn't happen that often. Really? Uh, you will have seen on the block I'm on the phone sometimes, uh, but that's because they're not in the room. They don't want to be in the room. They might be interstate or overseas, uh, and that's really the only time. Otherwise, I'll take full instructions. Just like a vendor has a pre-auction meeting with their yeah. selling agent, I have a pre-auction meeting with my clients, and we talk about all the intel that I've been able to gather up until the day before the auction or the morning of, Mm -hmm. and that will help form the strategy. So going into every auction, uh, I will have a strategy. Am I going to go early? Am I going to go late? Uh, Am I going to break down the increments? Am I going to wait for somebody else to? Do I know if it's a referral auction or a non-referral auction? So by that, I've already spoken to the agent who's calling the auction. Uh, Are you going to refer halfway through to see if your client's happy to put it on the market, or are you going to just keep going and not go inside. So a lot of people will wait for that mid-auction break, but sometimes it doesn't happen. So if you're waiting for that, you could find that the property sells before you've even decided to put your hand up. So we make sure we find out that prior so that we can... We know the rules of engagement before we've even gotten there. So that strategy is that you give me your full budget, maybe a contingency. If I have to go into contingency, I will. But at least if I know I've got an extra 25000 up my sleeve, I know if I can do it in fives, ones, tens, or what have you. But if I'm on the phone, I look for that. As a as an someone at auctions bidding, I look for people on the phone and all those nonverbal cues of shaking their heads and looking at each other yeah. and oh I don't know oh, should yeah. we go further? I'm like yeah beautiful they're out yeah. or they're they're at the end of their budget yeah. so I try not to be on the phone. Mm. Yeah. Is a very long winded answer yeah. to your question. <laughs> no, but that makes sense. Like the the point being is you know the parameters that you're operating in. Yes. At crunch time. That's right. That's that's organised prior to. Yeah. Right. Now, that was probably a question off, uh, That's okay. off topic there. All good. Um, so you offer a prestige property service, but are there buyers advocates for regular mum and dads and 
investors. And, Absolutely. Yeah. Come to Nicole Jacobs' property. We also do that. <laughs> I personally love to look after the prestige market yeah. because it's where I feel really comfortable. Yeah. But of course, our clients also have kids mm. that want to buy property. So quite often, they're not in the same market as their parents, which you would yeah. expect. So we have other advocates that can actually look after okay. um, those people as well. And we yeah. often get referrals from the networks that we have where they mm. just want me to have a look after, you know, look after whoever it is. Maybe it's one you know, one and a half million or maybe it's their first home but yeah. and I will oversee that for sure. Yeah. But one of the other advocates will be out there having a look at those properties okay. in the five to six hundred thousand range. Awesome. What are you mostly dealing with? People who are living in the homes that you're purchasing or versus investment properties that you're buying? What's what's more typical that you're dealing with? More typical is the homeowner. Home so owner, the, yeah. they're searching for their dream home. They might be upscaling or they might be downscaling. So they might be uh, a couple that have recently retired or looking at retiring. Mm-hmm. They want uh, to sell their big, beautiful home, uh, but they actually don't want to downsize in space, but they do in maintenance. So they want yeah. to buy something that's really uh, lock up and go, if you like, because they're yeah. quite often buying their lifestyle property as well which will help them buy. Uh, So they're looking for their lock-up and go and lifestyle. Uh, Then you've got the upscalers where, you know, more kids have come on the scene. Uh, Maybe they've had uh, a job, um, a new job or a a pay rise and they're looking to, you know, get that next step up the property ladder. We do look obviously after investors as well, but um, they're very driven by the price and the yield and and what have you. Yeah. So is that uh, they are still someone that you can help help mm. with? Yep, absolutely. Um, that's good because we've got a question from <laughs> from a listener. Excellent, <laughs> Adam from Sudbury. Uh, he wants to know about buying an investment property closer to the city in suburbs. He's not sure about uh, this is his situation. He wants a property that has the ability to be renovated to increase its value at resale or maybe subdivided to build a second property. Would he be best to hire a buyer's advocate or and do you go to that level of detail where you you know the, you know the council regulations for subdivisions and all that side of things or would Adam need to do that sort of research himself like is that I'm not particularly talking about you yeah. per se but Typical buyers advocates out there. Yeah, look if they're they a look good after that if of... they're a good buyers advocate, they should definitely be able to give that information to him, and that's where our industry is so, uh, I guess, varied. Some will yes. just turn up and tell you you've got to spend a certain amount. Others will actually look into it and go, okay. Uh, Let's go to council. Let's have a look. What in this particular area? What is the minimum land size you need? And let's have a look at the overlay. It might be a heritage overlay property. So imagine buying that, thinking fantastic, I can subdivide, and then finding out later. Uh, and this has happened yep. with very experienced buyer advocates, where they've said to somebody, "Fantastic, buy it," uh, and then they found out later it. they yeah, couldn't yeah. knock it over. They had to renovate it and spend the money on it, mm-hmm. uh, and now you know trying to sell it when they've spent so much money on it. To to do it that yeah. it they're not going to recoup the 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 money back so i think you definitely need to look at how much time you've got yourself if you've got a lot of time up your sleeves maybe do the preliminary uh research and have a look but if you're going to engage an advocate make sure that they do all those things for you so you need to ask those questions will you be able to do x will you be able to do y if they can't no problem it's been lovely to meet you move on to the next one and interview the next one yep. yeah yeah Good advice. Yeah, I think so too. Who do you follow in the media in terms of getting your expert knowledge about the economy? 
and uh, the real estate market predictions, what's coming up in the future, and how often do they get it right, in your opinion? <laughs> <laughs> Look, media can turn a market, so I have to be really careful when I'm reading media uh, because... Uh, you know, they could say that we're about to have another boom. Uh, and usually they've tried to get their sources from a lot of people. But, you know, you really, as a journalist, they have to make sure that those sources are really credible. Uh, look, it's not incredible when they're coming to ask you for your prediction, really, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, but, I look, I mix in the circles of uh, bankers. They're very yeah. conservative lot. Yeah. Uh, a lot of very um, successful entrepreneurs and business people at the moment we have a lot of people with a lot of money holding yeah now that tells me something mm-hmm. uh straight away yeah if they're not going out and, and lashing out buying lots of things so uh and and just uh reading financial review obviously the age uh i love alan Kohler. i think he's he's mm. one person that has been able to make uh finance really understandable for a lot of very lay people so I think he's fantastic so I do love listening to him yeah. uh, you know just general market reports and what have you but being on the ground and talking to estate agents is one of the best uh, ways anybody can get a feel for the market mm-hmm. obviously agents are always going to tell you that the market's booming and it's a great time to sell mm-hmm. but if you delve down and I can get that conversation happening with an agent where they'll go don't worry, we, we are struggling, you know. We get those conversations. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's very eye-opening. And I think that, you know, just speaking to local retailers in an area mm. that you're looking at buying in, you yeah. know, what how are they doing? Are, mm. they, are they thriving or are they actually closing down, you know, shop? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Those sort of things will let you know. Have yeah. a look at data that, that the ABS puts out as well. Uh, a lot of the banks put out data too on mm. housing lending, uh, lending for development, if those figures are changing, then you've got to have a look at why. Yeah, yeah definitely. That's good advice. So I think that's all we've got in terms of questions. So we'll have a little bit of a break and come back with some more on Nicole Jacobs. Uh, this week we've got fun facts about property sales. So my first fact uh, we have is in uh, 1840 was the first sale of land in Victoria. Back then, Victoria was called the Port Phillip District of New South Wales. So it was before Victoria was even named. Um, And the government was selling 5,120 acre lots of land uh, that went on sale at one pound per acre. Wouldn't you love that? Oh, that would be (laughs) fantastic. (laughs) At the time, it was deemed significantly below the value of land at the time. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Soon after, they imposed regulations to set limits on how much water frontage you could buy and how close to township you, you could buy. So you could say waterfront property was desired right from the beginning. So I don't know, being a baseline girl... You'd know that Henry Dendy was one of the first owner of the Brighton area. Um, so he was uh, allocated 5,120 acres of land, and you know, which has obviously been subdivided since. Yes, <laughs> significantly. <laughs> so did well. So did yeah. very well. Mm. Uh, fun fact number two. According to my research, Elders Real Estate Agency uh, 
bills itself as the oldest agency in Australia, established in 1839. Set up in Port Adelaide, Alexander Lang Elder came from Scotland. So that's fun fact number two. So... Okay, so the government sold the first land in, in 1840. Melbourne, in 1840, but was that was... the estate agent before it? No, no, the estate agent was in Adelaide. In Adelaide. But, yeah, but here it was 1840, though. Yeah, in Melbourne. So South Australia was... Ahead of it. In ahead Melbourne. Of Victoria. There you mm-hmm. go. Mm-hmm. The only time. Mm. By the look of things, auctions have always been big in Melbourne from the early, very early days where an agency by the name of WEZ and Co. sold property in Collins Street at auction in 1847 and even had land subdivisions going to auction as early as 1859. Wow. So, so auctions have been around forever. Melbourneans love an auction. They, they do love an auction. Yeah. yeah, much more so than a lot of other states, actually, isn't it? Yeah. 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 What, why is that, do you think? I think that it's tradition. I think yeah. that we've always had them and people will grab their latte and go and watch an auction. Yeah. They'll stop yeah. on their bike as they're riding through, you know. <laughs> people will come out in droves just to watch an auction because yeah. traditionally we've had great auctioneers as well. Mm. And it's, you know, it's a great way to yeah, have a laugh and see yeah, what something's paying. it's almost part of the Melbourne culture, isn't it? It auction. is. Yeah. I remember, yeah. So. I remember when I was working back in Marshall White days and uh, this lady had a roast on in the oven and she walked past one auction and goes, oh, yeah, that's gone. And she bid for it. She sold she it. Bought it. She bought it. And and she said, hurry up with the paperwork because I've got my roast, roast in the oven. oven. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, priorities love. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That happens. So people that just walk past and buy things. Yeah. It's yeah. so... It's crazy. Yeah, it's anyway. Just hopefully not on your properties. <laughs> <laughs> So now we've got Sue's quick quiz. Okay, so Nicole, what's your favourite Melbourne park? The beach. I would have to say the beach. The beach. Yeah. So what's better, popcorn or choc tops at the movies? Choc tops. Okay. Who's your favourite newsreader? Which Peter? Which Peter? (laughs) Peter Hitchner or Peter Mitchell? No. (laughs) No. Uh, Peter Hitchner then. Yeah, Peter Hitchner. Yeah. 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 I think he's yeah. He's a laugh. <laughs> yeah, he's very funny. Actually. He is very yeah. funny. Um, have you ever backed a Melbourne Cup winner? Yes. What's your favourite music radio station? Oh, I, I'm a flipper. You're a flipper. Yeah. If yeah. they don't have the song that I want, I yeah. flip. Okay. Yeah, I'm very motivated by songs. Okay. <laughs> Where would you take an overseas visitor when they come to Melbourne for the first time? to a really good restaurant to eat good food. And I'm not talking a fancy restaurant. I'm talking Just, like a really good place for yeah, a great yeah, curry or something. Yeah. Really yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. What's your favourite building in Melbourne? Oh, that's a really good question. I love the shrine. The shrine? It's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, have you ever attended Melbourne's Comedy Festival? Yes. Who'd you see? Max Atwell, my daughter's grade six teacher. Okay. He was, and he was in the... Yeah, the, so he, he does oh. comedy on the side. Oh, got to love yeah. that. It's quite funny. And quite hilarious. Yeah. yeah, awesome. So how old were you when you bought your first home? Oh, I was late, 27. And last one, what's your favourite town in country Victoria? Beaufort, because I was born there. Oh. Country girl. Country yeah. girl. I'm a boy. I'm a country boy. <sighs> so, Nicole, do you have anything you'd love to tell our listeners about your new book? 
great. Well, my book was published this year, and that's called Sold. Uh, and that's it's really, uh, I guess, a guide for people to buy and sell real estate uh, or decide that they may want to renovate. Uh, not everyone needs to buy or sell. They might actually want to do something uh, with the existing property that they've got. Hardy Grant are the publishers, and it is at all good bookstores for $29.99 currently. Yes. <laughs> so that's exciting. So one of our lucky listeners will be able to... Um, Get a copy of that book. Yeah, we'll run a competition. We'll run a competition shortly after the episode yeah, is definitely. launched, and we'll yeah, yeah, get that get out it to, to them. them. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we'd like to thank Nicole Jacobs from Nicole Jacobs Property for her very detailed report on buyers advocacy. I'm sure we are now all more wiser about what buyers advocates or buyers agents do. Um, thanks again, and we hope you enjoyed yourself. Thank you for having me. That's okay, and we. Hope to have you on again soon. So next week we will be talking about the Airbnb revolution on how to capitalise on it. It's a phenomenon, really changing the face of holiday accommodation and we can all be part of it. Thanks very much, Nicole. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me. Right is a real copyright and We Shoot Buildings production. We would like to thank Podbean for hosting our podcast, Audio Stock for sound effects, Premium Beat for our theme music, and Tully's in Mount Eliza for their catering. Like us on Facebook, Instagram, or subscribe on your favourite podcast service. Thanks for listening.